With so many pieces of evidence pointing to the exact things their instincts were telling them, Praveen's family and Monica knew there was so much more to the story than they were being told. And if they wanted to get the truth, they'd have to find it for themselves. And that's exactly what they set out to do. That's where now, at that time, I did not think that is the reason, but now I think probably the race, you know. Um, this is a family that came from six hours away. And at that time, my husband and I were really not talking to anybody. Priya was the one that was communicating with the police. So I don't know, maybe they thought we don't speak English. They, we were not getting a report from Carbondale. They wouldn't talk to us. We filed a FOIA many times. They would deny it, deny it, saying it's open investigation. You're listening to Speaking of Crime with your hosts, Gia and John. It's obvious that Gage was projecting all of his own behavior onto Praveen and repeatedly telling lies. He says he hit Praveen in self-defense when the second autopsy showed that it was Praveen who had defensive wounds. Gage says Praveen was looking for cocaine when Gage is the one who had been trying to get cocaine all evening, even when he picked up Desiree after leaving Praveen in the woods. He says he was just trying to get home at the end of the night, and midnight is too late for him to be out. But in fact, it was Praveen who left the party early and was trying to get home because he had a test at school the next day. And Gage neglected to go home even after attacking Praveen. He then headed to pick up Desiree. Gage says Praveen tried to steal money from him, but dollar bills that weren't Gage's based on his own account were found on the floorboard of his truck, and there was money missing from Praveen's wallet and he most likely stole Praveen's shoes right off of his feet. Not to mention, there are accounts of Gage trying to break into parked cars earlier that same night. In one of the police interviews, Gage calls Praveen a criminal. Meanwhile, Gage is the only one with a rap sheet. Gage claims that he was trying to help Praveen and gave him a ride because it was so cold out that night. Yet, he left him unconscious out in the cold. And when Praveen called Anita... She heard Praveen actually say, I'm trying to help you, to someone he was arguing with. The list goes on and on, but one thing is clear. Gage is projecting all of his own criminal, deceitful behaviors onto Praveen. Why? Because he actually does know between right and wrong. And he knows that if he tells the police that he was the good guy, he will have a better chance of having them on his side and reducing the likelihood that they will care about Praveen. You even hear it when Gage tells a state trooper that he picked up a black hitchhiker and he ran into the woods. Why did he say it was a black guy when he himself described Praveen as light-skinned to his cousin Jonathan? He told the trooper it was a black hitchhiker in hopes that that would make the trooper not care about the person in the woods and therefore not put much effort into looking for him. It's all rooted in racism with the intention to manipulate. 
I know I will be biased, but there you can question me and get the answers really, right? Mm -hmm. But if I don't know, if like, you know, if I don't know something about gauge, I'm going to say it's a hearsay. I don't know, you know, like mm -hmm. the, there are things out there that we hear, but um, my son never had a traffic ticket. Gage had a, a rap sheet, you know, but nothing was taken into consideration. They just was too quick mm -hmm. to blame Praveen. And I always wonder why. And his brother is constantly, every other month he's in jail, you know. So there is so much going on, but yeah, we will, there is a lot that we, that people don't know what we went through, what me and Monica went through, you know, them attacking us and, um, but uh, yeah. Why do you think the police, I mean, he was the last person to be with Praveen. Why do you think the police never saw him as a suspect? That's, that's a good question. I don't know. They probably did not. In my, I have many, um, opinions about it but the main one probably you know the college is a big money income for the city there they probably did not want to make it public like there is a crime commit, con committed there especially gage is not a college student and this happened off campus you know so they the praveen went to a party off campus so they probably thought okay you know you don't want to uh, destroy the college name, maybe, I don't know. But then the other thing probably is, that's where now, at that time, I did not think that is the reason, but now I think probably the race, you know. Um, this is a family that came from six hours away. And at that time, my husband and I were really not talking to anybody Priya was the one that was communicating with the police so I don't know maybe they thought we don't speak English I I, I don't know I, I mean I just have no idea um, why they did all these things but if you listen to Gage's interview you know like if you just read those transcripts there are many times he says all these things you know in, if, if it's a normal person like in, in their mind, why this is a police officer? Why don't he catch him on that? Why don't he catch him on this? You know, nothing happened. So I, I really don't know. And you know, Gage's dad, uh, dad's interview, he was interviewed too. And he says he contacted few of his lawyer friends before he brought Gage in for the interview. So those lawyer friends one of them is websick the the one happened to be gage's defensive lawyer who happened to be the previous state's attorney too you know so the, this is all connected there is like so many layers of connection there and gage's grandfather was uh, we hear that he was a big donor to siu so they they probably wanted to protect one of their own and you know Praveen is already gone so just the more they don't talk about it the story will die and they will walk away that's probably what they thought I I still don't know I one of these days I hope somebody will come up and say why they did not like hold him he's the last person 
to see him he admitted to hearing him at least you know they he said oh I, my phone was off no it wasn't you know why didn't he why didn't they take his phone and see who he called what he did nothing we are left with the same questions as lovely why didn't the police take Gage's phone as evidence and check whether it was in fact dead while he was driving that night or check the GPS movement to see if he went back to the scene of the crime? Why didn't they see all of his transparent lies as an indication that he was hiding more than he was revealing? And who did he call or text that night or the next day? There was so much more the Carbondale police could have done to solve this case. There was conflicting information being put out in the public about whether or not Praveen was drunk. Of course, his toxicology report showed that he wasn't. But the police were pushing this narrative that he was. They were trying to say that Praveen was alive for one hour in the woods before he passed away. The reason they were pushing that narrative of a one-hour time frame was because they could then say he was alive long enough to have the alcohol leave his system and therefore explain away why his toxicology report didn't detect any alcohol. The one hour that they were saying that Praveen was alive after he entered the woods, I believe it was to match their narration of saying that Praveen was drunk and it gave him time to uh, get rid of the alcohol from his system. Michael Carr was talking about they were investigating on how many milli, how many millimeter, milligram or millimeters or whatever he was saying of alcohol excretes from your body in certain increments, uh, in certain time and all that. He was going nuts over that. So I think they just uh, put that that uh, there to match it, you know, to, to keep their story straight. And the first autopsy, were you saying that they just neglected to determine the time of death? I believe so. I believe they could have done, given us at least a time frame. I don't think they could have pinpointed exactly the time point, time that Praveen's death, but they could have given us, you know, how many hours it's been at least, you know, or how many days it's been, something like that. But nothing, nothing was given to us. To this day, Praveen's family doesn't even know the time of his death, all because of the corruption of the people who were in charge at the time. The medical examiner who did the first autopsy wanted to support the story that the police had been publicizing rather than conduct a thorough and truthful autopsy. We asked Lovely why Praveen's autopsy didn't reveal his time of death. The original one could have. The second one, Margolis couldn't because he was already opened. There were um, many things Margolis couldn't do because the first pathologist already did certain things. So uh, Dr. Margolis had already, even before he touched him, he told us, I wouldn't be able to give you the time of death because he was already handled. They could have given like an, uh, like an time period, you know, not the exact time, but um, but they, they the the coroner said 
she was alive because I think they they did that to prove that Praveen was drunk. They kept on bringing up this narration that Praveen was alive for an hour after he entered the woods so that he had enough time to get rid of the alcohol, you know. So, <laughs> so yeah, so, you know, I think they, they, they just said that to match their narration that, you know, no matter how drunk he was, if he was able to unlock his phone and make that call to Anita, how drunk was he? Ravine's family wanted to get to the bottom of it all and figure out what really happened. And luckily, they had Monica on their side. I used to go and hide in my bathroom jacuzzi to talk to her because our house was full of people all the time. I didn't want people to hear me talk to her because everyone was telling me, don't talk to the media. But in my heart of hearts, I, I want to tell her I want this out, you know. But that was a good decision that I made. But And then my husband also said, he's like, tell her everything, whatever you feel tell her. So until, from then on, you know, she became my counselor or whatever I want to call her. I I was able to share anything. She was able to understand me. Um, if I tell her something, she'll keep it. It doesn't go anywhere. So between us, there was this bond that started. And then she started bringing all these people on the show. She brought Praveen's friends on the show. That's said they never saw Praveen drinking that day. He didn't even have a cup in his hand. So all those things, it was just like making me feel like it was not Praveen's fault, you know. So things progressed. They, we were not getting a report from Carbondale. They wouldn't talk to us. We filed a FOIA many times. They would deny it, deny it, saying it's open investigation. But by then, we got Dr. Margolis's full report, which said blunt force trauma to the head. And then we had a, we, by then we had a lawyer uh, in Carbondale. So he went on Monica's show and he just revealed it, that this was blunt force trauma to the head. That blew up. They came up with an idea to have Praveen's cousin, Ashley, retrace Praveen's steps that night in order to see if he could have possibly walked through the woods and also to get a clearer picture of what Praveen went through. There was a time, uh, Praveen's memorial, we had a, dog, uh, a video group following us, like taking our everyday move and what we are doing. It, was, it started as somebody from our church, but he just got so interested into this and he stayed on. So I always wanted to know what happened that night. I had a feeling Praveen did not walk through. So we made it a point the same night, February 12th, we went there, <clears throat> we decided to walk through the woods and what happens there. And we made Ashley drink exactly what the police said, Praveen drank two four locos and a beer. He was fine and we turned all the lights off. We tried to walk through the woods. We could not see anything. It's pitch dark. You know, so we had all that documented.
Ashley shared with us what it was like to walk through that wooded area on the one-year anniversary of Praveen's death. We went back around that forest area where Praveen was found, and we wanted to see how Praveen's mindset was during that night. So I drank the same amount that Praveen drank that night that he passed away. It was half a four loco and two beers. And then we went to the area where Praveen and Gage were last were at. And me and my family and like Monica and everybody, we all went right by the forest area and just wanted to see how I was. Um, me and Praveen were pretty much the same height, had the same tolerance for alcohol. I felt like I was not really, but not too buzzed. I was not drunk or anything. And just being around there, I felt um, a lot of emotions. That was one of the like, last places where Praveen was still alive, but. Yeah, we walked right by the forest. We didn't go inside. We just like walked right near it, right down the hill. From that area, we were still able to see like the beat ups lights and the coals lights. Um, you can still hear cars on the highway, but yeah. You hear cars and just driving by. So I wasn't at the point where I couldn't like tell where I was or anything. I wasn't intoxicated. I wasn't feeling it like maybe like a little buzz, but nothing crazy. Um, nothing to the point where like Praveen wouldn't be able to find his way out. It's crazy because um, like the entire forest is like so thorny and like it's there's like a lot of branches everywhere. And then like the spot where Praveen is found is just like an open area. So it's just like all like super strange. And like, even from that spot where Praveen was found, like you can still kind of see like light to get out. So that's why I don't understand. Like if he just ran through the forest, like how the state's attorney was saying, like he would have been able to find his way out or he should have easily. I think my aunt has like some videos of where they, when they do like, uh, like a, we do like an annual like prayer, like at, the place where Praveen is found. And I think she has some like videos or something of like them recording like the area. And like you kind of see it's like open like where he's at. And then it's just like super like foresty like around that area. During that time that uh, we did that, everything was still really fresh to me, even though it was just two years ago. Um, it was all like super fresh and I just remember being out there, like the emotions out there, everybody was just like super sad during that time. Just being out there at nighttime when it's that cold, experiencing kind of like what Praveen was feeling during that time. I think it brought out like a lot of emotions. It's hard to fathom that one person alone could have carried Praveen through the tough terrain in that wooded area which makes us think Gage and Jonathan must have been together. On the other hand, Gage is seen carrying a person, most likely Praveen, across the street in that surveillance footage on College Street, so maybe he did carry Praveen on his own through the woods. I saw Jonathan, I think like during the grand jury and also like during the trial, and he's just a tall, lengthy guy. Compared to the size of like me and Praveen, like that guy's huge. Like, there's no way, like, either of us could, like, take him on. So if Jonathan was, like, part of it, I feel like he could have been the one that put those bruises on Praveen. 
If it was engaged. As we mentioned earlier, the shoes found with Praveen are a major piece of evidence. Whoever owns those Puma shoes is either Praveen's murderer or an accomplice. That night, do you actually remember Praveen wearing purple shoes? Yeah, so that night, um, I remember we were um, at our pregame at our apartment and we all, we all got ready and I just remember specifically seeing him wearing those shoes out that night. That's why uh, when it came up um, of Praveen like being found with like Puma shoes, I think Monica or my aunt reached out to me and asked if Praveen ever had those Puma shoes and I said, I've never seen those before. Um, me and Praveen would always share clothes and like shoes and stuff. So I knew like all his shoes, all his clothes and those were not his. Did you guys take any photos at the party that would show his shoes? Any photos of you guys together or friends? Uh, no, that night we didn't take any pictures. The last picture that I have with Praveen was uh, a picture with me and our friend group from like SIU. And that, I think it was like a week or two before. Yeah, that's a, that's a picture that I always uh, keep with me. Next week, you will hear about the state's attorney, Michael Carr, all his attempts to obstruct justice, and how cruel he was to Praveen's family. If you're interested in this story and you want to know more about the case, you can check out our social media pages. We will be sharing videos of the police interviews, photos, and documents from the case. We are at Speaking of Crime on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and at Crime Speaking on Twitter. Please help us share Praveen's story.